Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Rob Port here on 970 WDAY. We're going to talk a little bit about property taxes here to kick off the show, and then we're going to talk with Jason Flores from American for Americans for Prosperity about, well, trade policy, taxes. We'll talk with him about that. Uh, good afternoon, Nathiel. How are you? Doing pretty good today. How are you? Oh, not too bad. I'm ready for a nap. It's kind of nappy outside today. Like it's all it's, nice and cloudy and cold. And it's a it's a real uh, you know some grilled cheese and and oh. vegetable soup and then maybe lay down for a while, read a book, fall asleep. Bag nap it, Rob. Now I want grilled cheese. Yeah. Why you do this to me? I don't know. Why do you eat cookies while we're trying to work? I I haven't at all this week. <laughs> I'm kidding. All right, let's get to uh, Charlene Nelson. Uh, first of all, I want to read an excerpt. This is a column that uh, Mike McFeely posted yesterday. He says, I quote, get ready for another charge to abolish property taxes in North Dakota. For this, you can thank the bumblers in power at the state legislature who have mishandled the budget to the point where it's likely your property taxes are going to rise substantially next year. Uh, Charlene Nelson, take a bow. You predicted this was going to happen five years ago. Nelson is the rural Castleton, North Dakota resident who led the campaign in 2012 to pass Measure 2, an initiated measure to eliminate property taxes. It went down on a heaping ball of flame, 77 to 23%, in part because it's bad policy, in part because big moneyed interests like the Chamber of Commerce came out strongly against it, and in part, this is important, because powerful legislators like House Majority Leader Al Carlson used those intoxicating words, trust us. Vote no on Measure 2, lawmakers said, said, and we'll fix the problem. Well, Charlene, what do you think? Getting some kudos. What does the property tax lay of the land look like to you right now? Well, if you go by the phone calls and the mess emails I've been getting, um, the people in North Dakota are ready uh, to tackle this once again. So you're thinking, is there going to be a push to put this on the ballot again? Um, I've already gotten several, uh, uh, dozens and dozens of people in the last, uh, well, December was the first trigger, because that's when everyone got their property tax bills. And then um, just in the last three, four, or five weeks, um, probably another couple dozen people email, uh, phone calls, telling me, you know, please, we need to bring this back. This is crazy. 701-293-9000, email talk at wday.com. John, waiting on the line, we'll get to you in just a moment. Charlene, setting aside the question of whether or not, because that, that's obviously a debate unto itself, whether or not we should abolish property taxes. Right. To me, there's also a separate question of how the legislature has been handling yeah. property taxes. And essentially what they have been doing, and this is the metaphor I like to use, is imagine the property tax problem as a big pile of rocks on your lawn. And you've got a very deep pond over there with a lot of water in it. And you think to myself, well, i got to get rid of these rocks, so I'm going to go throw them in the pond. But then one day we have a drought, the pond runs dry, and now all of a sudden all those rocks are sitting there again. You can see them because the water went down. And that, yeah. to me, is essentially what we've been doing with the property tax problem. Yeah. We had a whole bunch of revenues at the central level. The, the state's pond was full, to use the metaphor. Uh, and so we threw the property tax problem into that pond. But now those excessive revenues are gone. The, the budget surpluses are gone. Right. And there's a problem again. The legislature doesn't have a money you know, they don't have the money to continue to fund that 12% property tax buy down. And so they're probably not going to continue it. And that's probably going to result in higher property taxes, right? Well, the problem is, is um, legislators love their rocks. 
they don't want to get rid of the rocks, pure and simple. Um, yeah, they moved things around. They covered it up with the surplus and so forth. But, you know, the bottom line is they had absolutely no intention of ever um, addressing this problem. You know, there was a bill just, just this session to allow um, voters to vote on property, ta- on property tax increases, and that was defeated. There was a bill in the last session to um, equalize that if the mills or that if the valuations went up, the mills went down proportionally. That one was also defeated. Um, and instead, what did they do? They gave us this assessment reform, which basically now takes all the entire assessment process out of the hands of local people and puts it into the hands of out-of-state businesses like Vanguard Assessments. So, you know, they've done nothing and, in fact, have actually made things worse. Uh, I want to sneak John in here before we go any further. Go ahead, John. You've been waiting patiently. What's up? Hi, Charlene. Well, I'll tell you, I was one of those who was stumping with you on measure two. <laughs> um, two things to consider, and I'll just kind of plant the seeds and let you run with them because I just don't have the backing that you have, you know, as far as uh, people and whatnot, but I'll jump on the bandwagon uh, gladly. Could we consider something like California's Proposition 13, where we could repeal the excess valuations and and, and set them at something that's more in line with the cost of living, for one thing? You know, mainly because there's the way it was structured is even if your local municipality keeps jacking your valuation, they can only jack your taxes, you know, at a very small percentage of that valuation until you sell the property, in which case, you know, the next person coming in is going to pay on that higher value, which to right. me makes more sense for one thing. The other thing that I'd like you to consider while you, when you start drawing petitions, is there some way that we can also get rid of special assessments <laughs> at the same time? Because... I think what's going to happen is even if we were successful in repealing the property taxes, either in whole or partially, that the uh, locals in the state are going to come back and bite us with, with special assessments for everything. Thanks. Right. Thanks. Have a great day. Thanks. Go ahead, Charlotte. Yeah, well, assess, special assessments are a completely different uh, creature altogether. And, and one of the advantages of special assessments is you do get some say-so in whether or not, uh, you know, the city or county takes on a project that will result in, in specials on your property. Um, you know, as far as for Prop uh, 13, that's something we really looked into the first time around. And there's just so many flaws in, in that um, it's kind of more of hiding the rocks kind of thing. Um, we just feel that, you know, that there's lots and lots of ways that government can generate revenues. We don't need to make our houses hostage to government spending. 701-293-9000, uh, Tim sends a message in. He says, if they get rid of property taxes, how will that affect the recent vote by the schools in Fargo? Um, I'm not entirely certain, but I'll tell you this. The state constitution already says that the state is to fund schools, and they are to do it out of the school lands trust fund. And currently the school lands trust fund has, has an excess of $20 billion in it, and currently the state is not spending a single dime on education 
from that fund. Instead, they're diverting it to projects such as um, starting up a state drone surveillance program. Um, they're diverting it to all sorts of other special interest and pet projects and not to education. So that would be the first thing, is to, to really look closely at how we are funding um, education. How would we, because obviously, to me, I, I look at the proper, the reason why the state's approach to property tax relief, and I'm putting, I'm doing air quotes, so you can't see them, <laughs> yeah. but I'm doing air quotes around property tax relief. The reason why that didn't work is because we ran out of money. We couldn't fund it, right? We were hiding the local spending in state revenues at a time when we had an excess of revenues, but now we don't have that excess of revenues anymore. So riddle me this. If, if, if we get rid of the property tax, right, we abolish it, where does the state – I mean, where do the revenues come to replace that spending, right? right. Because right. – uh, you know, I, I mean, we could have a debate. I mean, maybe some some of the spending should just go away. We can certainly have a debate about that, but that right. can't be the answer just for all of it. We're just not going to spend however many hundreds of millions of dollars a year that that adds up to. Right. So, so what does the state do if we abolish property taxes? Where do those revenues come from? Right. Exactly. Well, let's look at um, other property tax abatement programs, such as Renaissance Zone, and and things like that. And what is the rationale? for those property tax abatements that are targeted to certain businesses. It's that those businesses will then actually generate more revenues in the increased economic activity and the increase, um, you know, in wages and so forth, that, that, that it actually pays for itself. Okay, so we know that when you have a complete reprieve, not a partial reprieve, but a complete reprieve from property taxes, it stimulates the economic picture that we're dealing with. It stimulates revenues. And so all we're, you know, let's first see what the economic impact is without raising taxes. What would happen if everyone had a permanent abatement like we do right now with, with the Renaissance Zones and, and, and those types of programs? So that right there is part of the, you know, is, is part of the picture. Let's also look at the economic impact of the assessment process and the economic impact of the disincentive that property tax is for improving property. People won't improve their property because they know it'll, you know, their, their taxes will go up. So, you know, without even touching the revenue side, we see that abolishing property taxes creates a whole new vibrant thriving economic base that then we look at yeah. okay what do we actually need to replace now well Char charlene i want to i want to dive into that a little bit more and i've got callers stacking up but i'm up against a break can you hold through the break certainly can all right let's take this break Stephen, jim hold on the line we'll get to your calls after this this is the rob report on 970 wday don't go away no. Welcome back, Rob Report, 970 WDAY, 701-293-9000, 888-970-9329, email talk at WDAY.com. Let's get right to the callers. Uh, Steven, you're up first. What's going on? Yeah, Rob, uh, you know, I, I kind of agree with Charlene. I was in favor of this the last time getting rid of the the property tax because it's just become uh, half of us are paying and the other half are taking. I mean, you go downtown Fargo. 
the rest of us are paying for it, and they aren't. So if you're not getting a property tax abatement, you're paying for one. The other All thing right. is, uh, whenever they need more money, like I just got my tax deal, it went up 30% the value of my property, you know? Yeah. And so I appealed it, and I got a little bit of a break. But everybody in town, I know they got 30% increase, so they went and appealed it, and they got it, most of them got it dropped down. So they're, the people that don't call in to get the appeal, they're not going to get it. They're going to end up paying more. I mean, it's... It's one of the, and I think we should go to a Section 8 measure like California did. When your property sells, it can only increase 2% every year, you know, on, yeah. the, on the tax rolls. And then when it sells again, then you can increase the tax base. Because the more money you give an institution, the more it'll spend. We're seeing that out at NDHU. They're all crying out there now. UND. Well, we're seeing that. We're, we're, we're seeing that, frankly, at the state level. I mean, that, that's what they did. They got a tidal wave of revenue and they spent it all. And now they grew the budget so far. Now the revenue's not there anymore. And now they got to slash it. So, Stephen, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Let's sneak in uh, Jim here as well. What's up, Jim? Hello, Jim. Do we got Jim? No, we, okay, we may not have Jim. Jim, call back in, 701-293-9000, Okay, so before the break, Charlene, I had asked you about, uh, you know, how, how, you know, where does the revenue come? And, and you said, well, if we get rid of the property tax, we're going to see economic stimulus, we're going to see revitalization, more growth, and that's going to, you know, the revenues from that are going to offset um, the, the reduction in revenues from abolishing the property tax. I have a feeling that 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 people would argue with that, but but even even stipulating for a moment that that's true, it's not going to happen right away, right? I mean, it's no. not going to be like an immediate like we flip a light switch and all of a sudden this revenue from additional right. growth is just there. That's going to take time to build the businesses, build w- whatever is going to happen. Right. That's going to take time. So, what do you do in 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 the very least if, during that gap time? I mean, where does that revenue come from to maintain services that? I think most people probably want whatever you and I may may think of that. Right, right. Well, and and let me back up a little bit on this, you know, on the economic, you know, boom that would result. Um, I I don't think anyone is going to claim that this will cover the revenues 100%. You're right. It's it's not. Um, but we do see the results. That there, there was a study commissioned on, on the economic impact, and there was also a similar study done in Texas when they were considering abolishing their property tax. And both show immediate economic stimulus within one year. Now, whether that stimulus is enough to cover the entire uh, you know, needs of, of a government, probably not. Um, but... A second thing is, is there's actually a lag between, a one-year lag between the time that your uh, property tax is billed and the time you pay it. So we're actually, here we are in 2017, we're actually paying our taxes on 2016. Okay, so if this pay, you know, passes in, say, 2018, you will still be paying your 2018 taxes in Well, it's it's an interesting issue, and it's a debate that's going to continue. Unfortunately, I'm up against a hard break. Charlene, thanks for your time. All righty. Bye. That's it for the Rob Report. That's not it for the Rob Report. That's it for the Rob Report in this segment. We'll be back right after this. Don't go away.
Welcome back. Rob Report here on 970 WDAY. Email talk at WDAY.com. Call in 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Joining me now, Jason Floors from Americans for Prosperity. I'd like to get Jason on on the uh, issues that his group is tackling. And Jason, the latest uh, issue you guys are uh, putting in your crosshairs is the border adjustment tax. Tell us. What is the border adjustment tax? Illuminate. Yeah, well, it's one small piece of the comprehensive tax reform that's moving through uh, Congress right now. And look, we've got a great chance to do a comprehensive tax reform for really the first time in 30 years, you know, with conservative majorities, both in the House and Senate and in the White House. But, and there's some great ideas on how to do that. You know, we want to lower the rate, eliminate loopholes and deductions. Simplify tax filing for everybody. Uh, pretty appropriate here with, you know, tax day just being yesterday. We all had that fresh reminder of just how bad our tax system is in this country. Um, but the problem with that reform, that reform process is that to offset some of the, the changes and deductions that we want to make to make our, our business community more competitive nationwide, or internationally, I should say, they propose this border adjustment tax. And, and what it is, it's, it's really a consumer tax. It's going to raise taxes by about 20% on basically anything that a business imports, either to resell or to uh, have as an input into some other product that they make here. So it comes out to be about a $1.2 trillion tax on American families over the next 10 years. So just so I'm understanding what this is, if I run a business and I make pipe for pipelines, and to make that pipe, I import steel from, I don't know, Mexico or China or something like sure. that. I don't know, wherever people get steel from. This tax would apply to that? That would be one example. You know, it also applies if you're making a, a smaller a consumer electronics, as an example, and you're importing um, some kind of chips or microprocessors from China. Or it even goes down to importing oil, importing avocados from Mexico. I mean, it, it touches a huge chunk of the American economy, and that's why you see it as such a, a big tax. It's going to impact almost, I mean, think of you going to the, the you know, a, a Target or a Walmart or something like that. Just about everything you buy is going to be touched by this tax, raising prices by about 20% for American families on gas, groceries, clothes, auto parts, increasing the cost of uh, cars that families want to go out and buy. So it's just a huge drag on the economy also we can provide uh some you know corporate tax reform at the top end i just i don't know if those folks in congress have thought about that that you're going to raise taxes on on american families to provide a lower rate for corporations it's just not going to sell well 701-293-9000-888-970-9329 email talk at wday.com isn't this, though, sort of what Trump, and I'm playing devil's advocate here because I'm with you. I, I don't like the idea, but both in terms in that any any tax we add on imported goods is just going to get passed along to consumers. You buy a television, you're going to pay this tax in the price of that television because the company that made the television uh, in the United States, you know, imported things from other places. Yep. But playing devil's advocate here, isn't this what Trump campaigned on where he said that, we were going to stop some of this so that we could use American steel. You know, famously with the pipelines, he said, you know, we should use American steel to make pipelines, you know, Keystone XL or whatever. And that's a little bit of a problem because those projects had pipeline stock line. But basically what he's saying is use American goods. I think there's a lot of people out there who think, well, that's a good thing. Why not just use American steel or American whatever to, to make the products right. or, or to sell? But, but putting, right, but putting a 
a new tax like this on American consumers, again, $1.2 trillion over 10 years, about $1,700 per family, that's not the way to do it. You know, we want this comprehensive tax reform because we do need to eliminate loopholes and deductions. We need to stop picking winners and losers. There's no benefit that some companies that make American products that are competing with products that are brought in from overseas, there's going to be a handful of winners with this border adjustment tax. But that pales in comparison with the millions of losers, the millions of families that are going to struggle more to pay for things that they need to use every single day. Now, we want to make America great again, in Trump's words. We, there's ways we can do it, and that's a lower tax rate across the board, pro-growth and reformed regulatory framework that we've already seen coming out of uh, Congress, and really making America open for business. But to slap up retaliatory tariff-like policies in response to what we see around the globe, that, that's just not the way to handle it. Well, especially because I, I, I think another – you're talking about the direct expense to consumers. I'm also thinking of how are these other countries going to respond when we start taxing imports from their countries? Are they going to be as amenable to American exports into their country then? I mean, that's a two-way street. If we start Absolutely. taxing if we start ex- taxing their exports into our country, they're going to start taxing or inhibiting in some way our export sports into, into, into their country. So that's a two-way street. That's something else to keep in mind. Break this tax down a little bit. H- how does this touch people in our region, North Dakota, Minnesota? Sure. Well, in North Dakota, for an example, we just did a study, and this information is on our website if anybody wants to take a look at it, americansforprosperity.org. But we took a look. North Dakota has over 1,000 importers. This tax would equal about $750 million of new taxes just on those importers in North Dakota. And you've got to remember that about 95% of, of importers are small businesses. These are companies with less than 250 employees, the exact kind of small businesses that we always talk about as the backbone of our economy. And yet we're hitting them with this huge tax increase that, like you said, Rob, they're going to pass on to consumers. 701-293-9000, email talk at wday.com. So people are interested in this, thinking about contacting their congressman about it one way or the other. What are they looking for? I mean, what's the timeline? What what bill is this in? What, what, what does the timeline look like for this implementation? Yeah, so, I mean, it depends on where uh, Congress and the president want to pivot to next. They've talked about moving to comprehensive tax reform. So I would say that really the time is now uh, to contact both the House members and the Senate. So the Senate seemed a little more reluctant overall than the House has. But just uh, call your congressman, call Congressman Kramer, and let him know that we don't need this border adjustment tax as part of this plan. The, the only reason that they're proposing this is because they need that trillion-dollar-plus of tax revenue to make the whole you know, plan revenue neutral so that they're not uh, – so when they lower the rates on, on one end, they're not hitting the, the federal budget with a bigger deficit on the other, right? But there's so many better ways to pay for this if you have to pay for it for political or policy reasons. There's so many better ways to pay for this than raising a new tax on American consumers. I mean, look, if we just took the improper payments that are made by the federal government for um, you know, Medicare, Medicaid payments, food stamp payments, all the improper payments, the fraud, the waste, the abuse, all of those. Over the next 10 years, just half of that, if we could just eliminate half of that waste, it'd be $720 billion, and we wouldn't have to hit American consumers with this new tax. If you're worried about paying for it, there's so many ways to reduce spending in the federal government that would be much better than putting a new tax in place. Jason, thank you for your time. And for more information, you said Americans for Prosperity. Is that the place to go for information about this? It is, yeah. We're um, a partner of a broad coalition that's working against this. 
Um, it's americansforprosperity.org. You can also find us on Facebook or on Twitter, at AFPND. But there's a lot more information there, breaking it down, both in kind of the background and economic detail and the impact study that I talked about, and also some testimonials and links to businesses across the country that are standing up against this and telling their stories about why it's going to hurt their business. All right, Jason, thanks for your time. No problem, Rob. Thank you. That's Jason Flores. This is the Rob Report. We're going to wrap up uh, the show right after this. 701-293-9000 if you want to join in. 888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. Open phones in the next segment. So if you want to talk about anything that we've talked about so far on the show, there's your opportunity. We'll be right back after this. Don't go away. Welcome back, Rob Report, here on 970WDAY. Email talk at WDAY.com. Call in 701-293-9000, You know, uh, going back to the property tax thing, it, I, I don't think there's any question that Republicans have probably left Democrats an opening in 2018. Now, I say that. I don't think that Democrats are going to come back and take a, a majority in the chamber. They haven't held a majority in either chamber of the state legislature since 1994. I don't even think they're going to be able to peel off an executive branch office. They haven't held one since 2008. Um, that said, I expect that in the 2018 cycle, Democrats are going to manage to build a a larger minority. And a part of that is going to be the financial situation. I, I just think there's no escaping for Republicans the fact that they overspent. They spent too much money. And now we're paying the price. All right. Let's see. We got a couple of callers stacking up. Dave, you're up first. Go ahead. Thank you. The, the last conversation had to do with the border adjustment tax. And I yes, think sir. of another area, and that's in education. Specifically, I think um, Trump announced something about restricting the visas for engineers and that from foreign countries um, coming here. And I guess I agree with that because we can get foreigners that are foreign educated for half the price of our engineers. And if you are an engineer or studying to be an engineer, you're being threatened by low wages for the degree of expertise that you've gotten in college. What do you think that does for prices, though? I, I mean, if, if let's say you're you're running a business, and all of a sudden you find out that the materials you buy have to be domestic, uh, or or there's a tax to to where domestic becomes, you know, it inflates the cost of your materials. Now you can't bring in, um, you know, workers from other places. That increases your labor. What's a business going to do but raise prices for everybody else? I mean, who ultimately pays for that? Yeah, I know, and I, I and I'm I'm a staunch. Uh, by USA person, no matter what it costs, but I, I guess I can afford it too. But basically, the now I have a son that's an engineer, and he doesn't feel threatened by it. But um, and he's making 100k plus, and and uh, but they can get somebody to replace him for half that money. He works for a worldwide corporation, and uh, they they're doing that. And so I don't know if he doesn't seem to be threatened, but. Um, they can replace him in a minute, and in a big corporation like that, then you then you got to figure what's the cost of your education. Um, and we we try to promote 
young people to go into the math and science and engineering and doctors and whatever else. And then we turn around and we we get, um, I, I don't want to say cheap foreign labor, but it is cheap foreign labor to take their places. And then what are they trained for? To, but to, me, that's a, to, to me, that's a call to compete, though. I mean, to me, that that's a call to look at what it costs to get an education in America. Uh, to me, that's that, that, that. I mean, I mean, I don't, I don't think we win. You know, if, I think America wins when we compete and we produce a better product. Right? We have a wide open marketplace that we compete, and and the cream rises to the top. I think that's, and that's what serves our society better. Job. That, and you're right. I mean, price isn't always the, the the only factor in these decisions. But then also, you have to look at. Do we want America to succeed because we're we're building these policy figurative policy walls, whether it's taxes on imported stuff or restrictions or taxes on labor that's coming from other places? I mean, is that how we want America to succeed? I, I don't because I don't think that's a sustainable model. I, I don't think that's going to last. But then, how does a person um, how is a person going to live in our society when uh, when they actually end up to be a lower paid salary? person in our society instead of somebody else that can dictate in like lawyers or like an insurance agent or whatever else they can they can basically you don't have any competition there for for foreign or for anything else to come in and take your place uh, well see I, I i i don't know i i think these things tend to equal themselves out i i, I think over time i think sometimes we have a tendency to identify trends that maybe aren't as pronounced as we like to think they are i i don't i don't think that the american labor market is as threatened from labor from other parts of the world as some like to think now i say that i'm probably in the minority i mean donald trump won the election a lot of people share that view i'm just not sure it's an accurate one dave though thanks for the call i appreciate it um but i, I want to sneak in uh, jim here too before the show ends go ahead jim what's up hi so did i catch this right there's $20 billion in the school trust fund that's supposed to be going to fund education, but it hasn't not, been used for them? Not $20 billion. Um, I'd have to get it's, – it's, it's, I, I know for certain it's not $20 billion. It's, it's multiple billions, though, yes. So they could basically be funding education in this state off the interest just on that alone, and that's the lion's share of everybody's property taxes. Yeah. It, it's education, so – if that's supposed to be mandated by the Constitution, what these guys are doing is criminal. And they're not letting their constituents know? I had no idea. They're not saying, we got all this money here we can fund here, education well, with. Here, and they're not? You can Man. get information. Let me, let, me, let me give you something. The state of North Dakota has all sorts of these funds where we have all sorts of money squirreled away. And if you want to see some details about it, go to the North Dakota Treasurer's website. Our treasurer, Kelly Schmidt, has done a wonderful job of this. She has a list of all of the state's funds. Uh, there's a couple dozen of them, uh, as well as the most recent updated uh, balance information and then also links to their actual website so you can get even more information. It's a great resource. Go and take a look at it. We have a ton of money squirreled away. And you're right. The only thing that I worry about, because some people, we're hearing a lot right now with the budget situation. People are saying tap the legacy fund, for instance. It's something we're hearing a lot by now to fix the budget situation. And the thing is, is I don't want, right, a lot of us in our household budgets, we can make ends meet for a month or maybe several months by tapping into our savings, right, and, and smoothing everything out. But long term, we all know that's not sustainable. I don't want it. What I don't want to do is sustain ongoing spending 
out of reserve funds. I, I, I think that's a mistake. But does the state have too much money squirreled away? Should that money be coming back to us maybe in the form of tax relief or be used to offset some spending elsewhere in the budget? Maybe. I definitely think that's a discussion we have. We don't talk nearly enough about it. But, Rob, the point is, if it's mandated by the Constitution that they have to spend that school trust money on education, then they should be doing it. If they're not, they're violating the Constitution. How are those people held accountable to that? I mean, that's, that's you know, to me, they're breaking the law. Well, I'm, I'm, not sure, I'm not sure that's an accurate analysis, but that money is definitely there. It's not being used, and, and I think there is a valid reason, to, question to ask. What purpose are all these reserve funds using if we're not using them now? I mean, if not now, when? Right? I mean, this is a pretty unprecedented budget situation. If this isn't a rainy day, what is the rainy day look like? I think that's a good well, point to bring up. Jim, I I, I'm sorry. I, I got to go. I'm up against right. the end of the Sounds show. Good, I appreciate your call. Call in tomorrow. Maybe we could talk about it a little bit more. Seven. Uh, Jay Thomas Show. Coming up next, I'm Rob Port. Of course, you can catch me here 1 to 2 p.m. Monday through Friday or 24 hours a day, seven days a week at Say Anything Blog. Dot com. Thanks for listening. We'll talk again again. Jay Thomas, straight ahead. Stay tuned for that.